G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Jesus said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Many Christians hold unscriptural beliefs about the blood of Jesus. They believe that it's something that we can invoke to ward off dangers. For example, some people say, oh, I put my blood on my children every day, or I've covered the house with the blood of Jesus. Now, the blood of Jesus is not to be regarded as a lucky charm to protect us. We do have protection, of course, in the name of the Lord, and we have spiritual protection in the armour of God. But the blood of Jesus was shed to meet our greatest need, that is to deliver us from the judgment of God that was due to us because of our sin. This is the overwhelming testimony of God's Word. For example, Paul in Romans chapter 5 and verse 9 says this, Having been justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. This is Set Free with Ken Legg. This week we are surveying the wondrous cross as we lead up to Easter. And it's an interesting point that Ken has just made. We often do hear people quoting the blood of Jesus in ways that don't really find support in the Bible. And as we focus on Easter this week, it's clear that the main purpose for Jesus going to the cross and shedding his blood was so that we could be forgiven. But Ken, some might ask, what's the connection with blood and forgiveness? What would you say? Well, let's go back to the Garden of Eden. You know, God said to Adam, in the day that you eat of the forbidden fruit, you will die. So the wages of sin is death. That's the, you know, constant testimony throughout Scripture. Sin demands, if you like, the forfeiture of life. But God began to reveal from the beginning that he accepts the life of another as a substitute. Now, we see this um, in the fig leaves being replaced with skins of a slain animal. You know, God took away the fig fig leaves with which they covered themselves and Mm -hmm. clothed them with the skins of animals that had obviously shed their blood as a sacrifice. Uh, And and, and in that, of course, Jesus was being displayed, as it were. Jesus was being exhibited as the one that would eventually come and and lay down his life, Mm. uh, shed his blood Mm. for us in our place. He would become our substitute. And so the revelation, if you like, of the blood began. And the blood of Jesus is like a scarlet strand running through the entire Bible from Genesis to Revelation. We see, you know, for example, by faith, Abel offered a more excellent sacrifice than Cain. Now, what does that mean? Well, Cain brought the fruit of the ground, which was a symbol of his works, if you like, trying to impress God, whereas Abel brought uh, something from the flock. God rejected Cain because it's like he was saying, no, I've already revealed the way of approach to me. It's through the shedding of blood. That's why Abel's sacrifice was a more excellent sacrifice. And then you keep going through the scriptures and the revelation of the blood unfolds more and more. You know, take, for example, when God gave the law. Um, what is sin? It's transgression of the law. You know, God gave us the law so that we would have the knowledge of sin. We'd know what sin is. Mm. Now, right in that same chapter, in Exodus chapter 20, I believe it is, where he gave the Ten Commandments, he gives instructions also how to build an altar. <laughs> you know, these are the commandments, but I know you're not going to keep them. I know you're going to need forgiveness. And, and it's through the shedding of blood. So the revelation, you know, continues to unfold. Then 
comes the instructions about the tabernacle. Okay, that's our way of approach to God in the Holy of Holies. But right at the beginning, the entrance of the tabernacle, there's an altar, the brazen altar. So the shedding of blood covers the sin so that man can approach God. It's important to have that background understanding, really. Once you dive into those things in the Old Testament, it really reveals what Jesus did for us on the cross. And as you said earlier, there's there's nothing kind of magical or mystical or redemptive about the blood per se. It's mm. just that when Jesus shed his blood, he was giving up his life as a substitute for ours. And that's what you're saying, isn't it? It's about his sacrifice that he made. Yeah, it's not the blood per se, that saves us. You know, if Jesus could save us just by his blood, then he wouldn't need to die. He just needed to bleed, mm. just to cut himself, you know. Yeah. Um, and then also those that whipped Jesus and were spattered by his blood, you know, the, the blood would have been upon them, so they would have been saved automatically. It's not mm. blood in that sense. You know, the term the blood is symbolic of the death of Jesus. So blood equals death. Uh, that's what saves us, his death upon the cross, the fact that he poured out his life, he mm. gave up his life mm. uh, in a sacrificial way. Um, Paul in Corinthians says that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. So the Old Testament uses the word blood about 360 times, and over 300 of those are a reference to death. So you, you talk to a Jew about blood, and in his mind... Mm, they got it. Yeah, he equated blood with death. That's what it means in the scriptures. Blood, to shed the blood means you're going to pour out your life. So, in fact, the blood of Jesus is is mentioned about three times as often as the cross of Jesus. And it's mentioned five times more than the death of Jesus. But they all mean the same thing. Jesus shed his blood on the cross by which he gave up his life, which was the sacrifice for our sin. He didn't bleed. He didn't even just die as we'll die one day. But he poured out his life. He he gave it up uh, in our place as a substitute. He forfeited the life that we should have given mm. uh, because of our sin and 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 the death that um, uh, God demanded for sin or the forfeiture of life is what he actually offered on the cross in our place. You talk about sacrifice of uh, animals and things throughout the Old Testament. Jesus, of course, was the Son of God. There are people that, that teach that his blood was divine. What do you say to that? Yeah, I've heard that teaching as well. Well, of course, if his blood was divine, then we would have to ask the question, well, where was it before it flowed in the veins of Jesus? You know, if it was divine, God doesn't have blood for his life because he doesn't have a body like ours. You know, blood is a property of created beings, earthly creatures, if you like. They need that for their life flow. Um, We read that the life of the flesh is in the blood. Now, God is not flesh. God is spirit. Mm. Um, But Jesus did have human flesh. He came in the likeness of human flesh, and he had human blood as well. Um, He was, in fact, every bit human as you and I, except, of course, without sin. So if his flesh was human, then so was his blood, according to the Bible. You know, he partook of both flesh and blood. So in order to be fully man, he had to have human blood. If he was not fully human, he could not have taken our place as a sacrifice. Mm, and getting your head around the fact that he was 100% God and 100% man at the same mm. time is not one of those easy things that you can get your head around, but it just reinforces the need that we must be in the Scriptures and studying them and understanding the wider aspect of how the Old and the New Testament fits together. Let's wrap this up today. Have you got some final thoughts? Yeah, I think let's just continue with what we're saying and bring it to its logical conclusion or biblical conclusion, and that's this, Phil, that sin... Without the blood, 
can only expect God's judgment. You know, the Bible says, the soul that sins, it shall die. But then also Isaiah says this, when you make his soul an offering for your sin, then you will be spared. You will, you will be forgiven and experience life. Now, of course, the modern gospel cuts all this out of, you know, the blood and sin and death and so on. The, the modern gospel says you need a friend, you need a life coach. <laughs> you need someone who will help you fulfill your dreams and reach your potential. Mm. Well, that, that may be true, but our greatest need is that we need a saviour. And the only thing that makes a difference between those who come into judgment and those who do not are those who are under the blood. And, and this is illustrated so many times, Phil, throughout the Word of God. And I'm thinking especially of um, the Passover. You know, the children of Israel were actually committing the same sins that the Egyptians were. They were worshipping their idols. In fact, they brought some of those idols out of the land of Egypt with them in the Exodus. You know, so they should have fallen under the same judgment as the Egyptians. Now, God said to them, okay, this is what you do. You take a lamb, you, you sacrifice it, you take the blood, and you sprinkle it on the house where you're living. So when I pass over in judgment, I will see the blood and pass over you. Mm. The judgment will not fall upon this house. So it's not that they were any better. It's not that they, you know, they were squeaky clean and the Egyptians were dirty, rotten sinners, you know. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. But they had, in obedience to God, offered up the blood as their covering for sin. And, of course, that covering continued all the way through their history until the Lamb of God came who took away the sins of the world. Now, we have, as God's pe- uh, people, as Peter says, are also sprinkled with the blood. As we put our faith in Jesus, then we know that what he did on the cross was in our place and we are forgiven and made righteous in God. We're surveying the wondrous cross this week and we'll have more on this for you tomorrow. In the meantime, remember, you don't have to carry that baggage. God wants you to be set free. For books, DVDs, small group studies and other resources from Ken Legg and details about Ken's ministry, visit the Vision Christian store at vision.org.au. That's vision.org.au.